Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. Welcome to Trinity. Sometimes the church gets a bad rap. And sometimes we forget who God created us to be as an organism. Um, Beloved, the darker the night gets, the brighter the light shines. So this is our time and our season to step up to be the church to be God's hands and to be his feet. This is not the time to shrink back. Uh, we, our weapons of warfare are love, our knees, prayer, practical things. And God's going to raise us up to do that. Uh, every time I start thinking of the church, I think of, sometimes we forget that the church is generational. That means in this building, we got people that are just coming into things and then people that are on the back nine of life. If you think you're in the back nine of life, do not raise your hand because don't, do, don't die here. Every time I, I think of, um, you know, we get to August and September, we think of all of our young people that are heading into that next step. Uh, if you are here and this is your last Sunday and you're a teenager, you're getting ready to go into college, I want you to stand up real quick. All right. All right. I'm going to ask Cambry to just come up here real quick. You, you can sit down, Toby John Harris. Thank you. Uh, Cambria is uh, uh, doing something that's very unique. Not only is she, uh, uh, she is, I'm just going to put my hand on your head. She has impacted our our family in ways that are just absolutely incredible. You've seen Cambria probably on the worship team. She's done some amazing things. She has felt a strong call to go into our military. So from here, she goes to boot camp, don't you? Yes, like today. (laughs) Today. How many of you are in the military and you went to boot camp? You know what's what's about ready to happen, don't you? (laughs) So I just felt like this morning, um, you know, when we send kids out, we can, uh, we can proclaim the message of the gospel through the nations different ways. We can go to the nations. We can also fill those that are here and send them to the nations. She's one that we're sending into our military, and only the Lord knows where he's going to take her. So I just want you to stretch a hand toward her today. We're just going to pray for her. Heavenly Father, we lift up Cambria, and we thank you, Lord, for her life. Lord, we thank you for all the things you've done in her, the impact that she's made in our family. And Father, we pray that God, as we send her, Lord God, into our military, Lord Jesus, that Father, she would have great impact for the kingdom. I pray that Father, every person that she comes in contact with would have an encounter with God. Father, radically change your lives and let her shine in your name. Amen. Thank you, Cambria. All right. God is always doing cool things. And this, um, this amazes me. Of all the things that God wants to do in the planet, do you realize that his main delivery system, ready for this, is you. Let that sink in. You are God's plan A. There is no plan B. Before the foundation of the world, God found the pieces that he wanted to put where he wanted to put them, and he picked up one of you, And he said, this is the exact piece that I need to do this. That means this, beloved, if you don't step up and do what God asks you to do, there's no plan B behind you. He just just doesn't make another one and stick another one in there. Now understand this, God will accomplish his purposes, but it won't be the same as the way that he would do it through you. So be encouraged by that. And also understand that there is a weight with that. Do you feel the weight of that? Now the beauty is this, you don't do it in your own strength, you don't do it in your own power, but God desires to use us. He desires for us to be a reflection of who he is to the planet. That means that when you talk about that God is good, we are a reflection of God's goodness. How many of you know that? When we talk about, you know, how God is is, is all loving, we're a reflection of that. When you talk about how God is holy, we're a reflection of his holiness. 
Now, that also includes other things that we're not necessarily uh, used to doing as churches. For example, I, a few years ago, I, was, I had a little Jeep, little Jeep Wrangler. I was driving around through the mountains of Colorado. I was going to a camping thing, and I had the top off, and I was having a great time. And I came over this ridge, and a wind gust caught me, and it kind of pushed the back of the Jeep. And I kind of swerved, and I kept going. Well, in about two seconds, I saw lights flashing behind me. How many have ever had the encounter? You, you fought the law and the, the law won. So they pulled me over and the guy said, sir, I saw your license and registration. So I give him my license and give him my registration. He says insurance. And I just realized at that moment, we had gotten new insurance cards. And I had an old insurance card with me. Literally the next day, I have literally on my desk the new insurance card that I forgot to put into the Jeep. And I said, uh, I said officer, you're going to think this is really funny. I don't have my insurance card. It's on my table at home. And he goes, sure, sure, sure. Like he had never heard that before. And he wanted to check, because I saw you kind of weave. I wanted to make sure you weren't drinking. And I said, yeah, I'm not. He goes, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, uh, I need you. I've got to write this up. I need you to go to the court on the day that's on here and just show them your insurance card, and it'll be taken care of. It'll be done. I said, okay, that's fine. So, you know, in a month, I get this summons to go to Fair Play, Colorado. Have you ever been to Fair Play, Colorado? Fair Play, Colorado is this little mountain town in the middle of nowhere. It sits at about 10,000 feet. There's about 700 people that live in this beautiful town of, of Fair Play, Colorado, and it's the county seat for Park County. So it's about two hours out of Denver. So I drive up there to Fair Play, Colorado, and I go there. They have one little courtroom. I mean, it, it looks like something out of a movie. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I sit there all day, and I wait for my time to get up there. And I go up there, and the judge says, Mr. Harris, come up here. You present this. And I told him what was going on. He said, do you have your insurance card? I said, yes, I present my insurance card. He goes, great. He goes, that'll be a $100 mandatory donation. Now, have you ever noticed like there's words that usually don't go together? Like mandatory and donation, like chocolate and broccoli, things should not go together. So I said, your honor, I said, I don't understand. What is a mandatory donation? He goes, well, he said, it's a $100 mandatory donation that you write to the county, to us, and we will give it to a charity of our choice. Now, me being a little bit, you know, persnickety about having to go up there. I said, well, I said, your honor, can I see a list of these charities? And he goes, no. I said, well, what if I don't want to give this $100 mandatory donation? This is a true story. He says, well, here's your other option. You did not have your insurance card at the time we pulled you over. So that is a $600 fine. He says, so you can pay the $600 fine. You can pay the $100 mandatory donation, or you can sit here in fair play, in our little holding facility, county holding facility, until you figure it out. I remember thinking for a moment. I said, who do I make the check out to again? <laughs> right? So I write the check, I get the hundred dollars, and I get in the car, and I'm mad. I'm so mad, I don't even eat lunch in the little diner in town, because I'm sure it's just a racket. And I drive to it, and I'm fuming, I'm talking to Robin as I'm driving. This is just dumb, this is crazy. You know why I was upset? I felt like I did not receive justice. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't receive justice? Right? All of us encounter that from time to time. Now, when we talk about justice, justice is one of the characteristics of God, but, but what exactly does it mean that the God we serve is just? Justice is one of those words that can be subject to the person. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 30, looking at verse 18. Again, if you have our app, you get all of my notes. If you've got the version of the Bible, look for Trinity uh, live events, you get all our notes. You heard that guy ripping up the hill? I bet you the police didn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah 30, 18 says this. 
Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. It's a pretty heavy, strong word. You get a little context of God's posture when it talks about him being gracious, and you talk about mercy. But understand this, beloved, make no bones about it. The Lord is a God of justice. The God we serve is a God of justice. Now, you guys know this about me. I'm a word nerd. When you look at that Hebrew word for justice, it's mishpath, which actually comes from the word shafat, which actually means this. It's more than just deciding if something is good or bad. Shofat means actually to govern. Now, governing is more than just the pronouncement of good and evil. Sometimes when you think of judging and justice, you think of it in binary terms, good or bad, one or zero. For example, we're going to have this burger cook-off. And you're going to decide if you like this one or this one, right? How many of you know that you like aspects of certain ones and maybe aspects of other things, right? But for, the, for the, the judging purposes, you either like one, two, or three, and you just pick one, right? Well, when you talk about God's justice, what this Hebrew means means this. If you're going to govern over something, it really involves three different areas. To govern, you have to first set the ordinance, the law. That means this, according to this, this word in Hebrew, that God actually sets the parameters of what's right and what's wrong. Then second, you've got to review how the laws are being upheld. How many of you ever had to sit before a judge? I don't want to know why. What does the judge do? The judge looks at the law, the judge looks at you and decides how these two interact, whether you've, you've upheld the law or you've broken the law. And then third... What this word implies is that there are consequences on how the laws are interacted with. It's not just good or bad, it's how you interact with the law. Now, by the way, when you talk about consequence, it's funny to me. Sometimes we only view consequences in, in, in the light of bad things. You know, for example, if all you eat is candy, cookies, cake, ice cream, and all those things, you'll really be happy, but it's not going to be good for your body. Right? Some of you are like, eh, I don't know about that. Right? How many of you know that consequences are good things, too? If you do the right things, you'll get the right result. If you take care of your body, eventually it'll take care of you. So consequences aren't just bad things. So God weighs all of those things. So justice is more than just God coming in when you break the law. Justice is more than just the policeman behind you when the lights are flashing. Did you hear this week that the IRS just hired, was it like 87,000 IRS agents? Did you hear that? Are you scared? I'm fine, because unless you know, I screwed something up, I think I'm okay, right? But you never know, right? Justice is more than just those types of feelings. Justice also shows us the right path that we're supposed to walk, especially for us when we talk about God, what justice looks like for us as, as believers. Justice doesn't just give us the path, but it also shows us the authority that we carry as image bearers and followers of Christ. In God's justice, we find the perfect balance of authority and fairness. So justice is more than just a mechanical act. For years, beloved, and hear me on this, as churches, we have treated justice like a mechanical act. Judgment like a mechanical act with no heart, with no soul. Does that sound like Jesus? Every instance that you see Jesus moving through the Gospels, every one, he operated from a heart and a soul of the heart of the Father. He did. 
And sometimes our outcomes were different than Jesus' outcomes. Jesus meets a woman at the well, a woman that probably none of us would even give her the time of day. And he has a conversation with her. And four husbands living with the guy right then and now. You know, Jesus has an encounter with a woman that's caught in the midst of adultery. The book is very clear. It's black and it's white, except Jesus didn't act that way. Why? Because he understood justice in a different way than we understand justice. God is good. And his justice is good. His justice, just like everything else, flows through his nature. God sits above everything, and from that place, his justice flows. What does that mean? Not only does God establish everything, but God also interprets everything. Perfect and good. This is what Psalm 62.11 says. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they've done. So he starts everything off by saying, power belongs to you, O Lord, recognizing that God has sovereign authority to judge everything. Beloved, understand this. Someday, all of our knees will bow. Someday, everybody will have to give an account for how they live their life. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. Everybody on the planet, all of us have to give an account to who we are. So God approaches us like that. And he's, all power belongs to him. And then he says this, his unfailing love, what does that do for us? It reveals God's grace to judge according to his heart rather than our incomplete understanding of what fairness is. That word unfailing, this is great. For unfailing love is, is rakam, which actually means this, to have mercy or compassion. What does that mean? That means that God's mercy balances his justice everything he does from a place of justice flows through his mercy so what does that mean for us that means this that god sometimes will enact his justice in ways that we don't understand let's just be real all of us want justice when it comes to what we want and all of us need mercy when we find ourselves on the other side of the equation have you ever found yourself on the other side of the equation so what is it? Justice or mercy? Because you can't have both, right? Or can you? I remember a few years ago, I was with a bunch of my brothers. We were hiking in, uh, out of Ely, Minnesota. And we were driving in a big white Econovan. There was about 10 of us. And all of a sudden, this Jeep came flying by us, almost ran us off the road. We're on this little, this little nowhere town on this road. I mean, flew past us, and we swerved, and we almost went into some trees, and it was nuts. I remember one of our guys in the back seat was like, jerk, as if he could hear him in the other car. And we started to talk about this guy. Like, that guy's driving crazy. He's going to get somebody killed. He better watch it because he keeps driving like that. He's going to get himself killed. I'm not making this up. About two miles later, we go up, and we come around a turn, and that Jeep is into these pine trees. He didn't make the turn. So we come up there, and as we see it, it's, a, it's a, about a quarter mile up, as we see it, about an eighth of a mile. We're like, oh my gosh, I hope he's okay. And I remember in that moment, we have a decision. Do we pull over to see if this guy's okay, or do we just keep driving? Do we call somebody? So we pull over, there's, there's 10 of us, so we're strong. We go in, we have to pull the guy out of the Jeep. We call everybody in the middle of nowhere. We get him settled down. And again, this is just me, and I'm sure you guys are much holier than me. Right? Right? As we're helping the guy out, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, well, you just got what you deserve. 
you're alive by the grace of God, but your Jeep's all wrecked. <laughs> and God was like, is that my heart, son? And then I started to ponder. Do you ever have the Holy Spirit mess with you and he makes you ponder? That's terrible. Isn't that terrible? And I started to think, well, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Was it to teach this guy a lesson? Or is it to show me mercy? What was it, Lord? I don't know. And there's a reason why I don't know, because my understanding of justice is different than God's understanding. I don't see all things. For us, justice and mercy is a really tough thing. I mean, you even see it in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it's a really tough part of the Lord's Prayer, probably the toughest thing. How many of you remember the Lord's Prayer? Matthew 6, 9 says this, this is, and everybody should know it. If you're a good Catholic, you could recite this by memory, right? So this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's easy peasy. We could pray that all day. Give us today our daily bread, no problem. But look at verse 12. This is where it gets a little sketchy. And forgive us our debts, that's easy, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ow. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love how the Passion puts this. 6.12 says this. Forgive us the wrongs that we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Now, it's one thing, Lord, for me to be able to release, you know, for you to, to forgive me of my things. But Lord, you might be stepping on my toes a little bit, asking me to forgive somebody else of the stuff that they've done to me because, you know, what they did to me is a big deal and I demand justice and vengeance. Beloved, we struggle with this. Why do we struggle with this? We struggle with this because it comes down to trust. Do you really believe that God's going to handle your situation correctly? Do you really believe that God is going to fulfill that thing that's in your heart that says, I need my pound of flesh? Because isn't that really what justice is? Let's be real. In our lives, all of us have been the offender and the offendee. All of us have been on both sides of the fence, both sides of the road. And unfortunately, sometimes in our situations, we only see our situation through our vantage point. But gratefully, the God that we serve sees the whole picture. He sees everything. He sees the justice that needs to be served, and he also sees the mercy that needs to be extended for everybody in the situation. Because God's heart, this is nuts and I don't understand it. It's always working completely for all of us. He's always trying to find every way for us to get back to him. Even when we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, the argument, the situation, God is always working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. We just don't understand it. So knowing that God is a God of justice, it means this for us as believers. You can trust him with your stuff. You can trust him with your most painful experiences. But there's a catch. You have to let it go. You have to trust. And you have to be okay with putting your desire for vengeance and justice in his hands. You have to put it there and you have to let it go. It's the Lord's Prayer. When he was in the garden, Lord, if you could take this cup from me, great. If you can't, even though, not my will, but yours. I don't understand it. I hope you can do it another way. But if you can't, not my will, but your will. God's justice always flows through his mercy.
Always. God governs righteously. He's trustworthy. And when you forgive others, you trust and you commit those people to the justice of God. They're in perfect hands. Nobody could enforce justice better in their life than God. So when you let them go, you're not letting them off the hook. You're entrusting them to the perfect judge. The one that knows exactly what they need in order for them to be brought back to him. Now this is a tough place for us, beloved, to forgive and to trust. But know this, if you don't let these people go, it doesn't affect them. It affects you. It keeps you in a cage. So we as believers need to learn to, to let them go. We have to give up our right for vengeance. And when you do that, beloved, you set yourself free. Some of you have been in a cage for a long time. Some of you have lived confined, bitter, and broken for a long time because you've not let those people go. You've not entrusted what they did to you into the hands of God. Beloved, once you give them those things, God will set you free. Mark eleven twenty-five 25 puts it this way. It says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. We extend forgiveness and then we receive forgiveness from the Father. So just shut your eyes for a second. We're going to pause. Is there something that has kept you stuck? A situation. Maybe it happened yesterday. Maybe it happened 30 years ago. Whatever that thing is, be free. Trust it into the hands of God and let it go. Leave it there. Be free and allow yourself to be healed. So right now, just talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hears you just like he hears me. Say, Holy Spirit, I release this person to you. Holy Spirit, I release this situation to you. Holy Spirit, I give it to you. I trust that you will do whatever you need to do in their life. I trust and I give justice to you for them. And just take a deep breath and let it go. Do you feel that? Can you feel that? Can you feel the Spirit just taking that thing away? Now, here's the key, beloved. Don't pick it up again when you leave. Like your cell phone or your wallet. Leave it here. Let it go. Let's keep going. Now, there's another piece of God's justice that we need to understand. It's not just what God embodies. Being a God that is just, where mercy flows through Him. It's also the heart of God that we as believers operate in the ways of justice as well. His justice is supposed to flow through us as believers. It's not something that he hopes that we do. It's a posture that he expects us to have as believers. So what exactly does that look like practically in our lives? Well, your Bibles flip over to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. You've probably seen this on t-shirts. You've seen this in cards before. Micah 6, 8 says this. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. In this passage, we see three things that God asks of us in the matters of justice. How he wants us to engage justice and how he wants us to practically interact on our planet. The first thing is this, he wants us to do justice. What does it mean to do justice? 
It means that we carry the heart of God in every matter and every situation that we encounter. You constantly carry his heart, especially in matters of justice. Easy peasy, right? I just got to be like Jesus everywhere I go. Pastor TJ, if I could figure that out, you wouldn't have to talk to me every month and, and you know, to help the counsel me, talk me off ledges. It's not always easy to be God's heart in every situation. Why? Because sometimes as believers, we blur the lines between what God's heart is and what our heart is. Have you ever done that? We had a funny conversation. This is weird. I don't know where it even came from. We were talking about lunch items one day, and the family's there, and we were talking about potato chips and things. So, you know, we would, we, in, in Wisconsin, we lived near like a subway, so every once in a while we'd get a subway. And, and, and Robin, she came back one day from lunch, and she had all these bags of sun chips. And I said, well, I, I don't like sun chips. She goes, you love sun chips. I said, no, I really don't. She goes, no, no, you eat them all the time. I said, no, I, I don't like sun chips. She goes, no, you love them. I said, I don't like sun chips. I'll eat them if it's the only thing because I'm Greek and I don't want to die. And I remember Ty's like, yeah, I don't think he, Ty goes, well, I'm the one that likes sun chips. And he goes, no, no, it's your father that likes them. He's like, no, I like sun chips, not her. Sometimes when it comes to God, we take God's heart and our heart, and sometimes God's heart goes behind our heart. We lead with us, and then he's somewhere in the back. Have you ever had that experience? It happens to us sometimes. Sometimes our personal perception of justice overrides what the heart of God is in the situation, what he wants us to do. Let's just be real. Sometimes there's things that we're passionate about that other people care less about. And sometimes our passion jumps in front of our understanding of what God's justice is. Have you ever been passionate about something and, and that other person had nothing to do with that passion? One of the things that, that I like to do, Tori and I do this, we do this, we ride bikes. This is me and Tori, I think, us bike riding one day. And we get out there and we have a ball. It's good. It's good to stay in shape, stuff like that. Um, I've tried to go bike riding with my son, Toby, this guy right here. We, <laughs> he's very fashionable. So we went out bike riding one time. And, and we got lost. And we were out for about two hours and Toby thought he was going to die. We were in like white clay, we were in the park. We're not going to die. I can see like a 7-Eleven. It's like right across the street, right? Um, and since that time, I have begged, bribed. Toby's lost, you know, like arguments and bets, all kinds of stuff. And he, he promises he'll go riding with me, but he just won't go riding. And I realized this. It's just not his passion. It's just... <laughs> He's more passionate about things like pizza and video games. And not that I'm not passionate about pizza. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, so all I do is nag him. Come on, you got to do this. It'll be good for you. It's good for your training, blah, 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 blah. And here's the reality. It's not necessarily a beneficial thing to him. It's more about me. Sometimes we do that with our passions. And then we superimpose those things on matters of justice. I have, I have buddies that are passionate about certain things, 
that deal with justice when it comes to, to, to what's going on in the church today. And their level of passion is absolutely amazing. And they're upset with me because my level of passion does not equal their level of passion. Why? Because God has gifted me to be passionate about certain things and God has gifted them to be passionate about certain things. But neither of those things is, is the answer to the question. The answer or the question we have to ask is this, Lord, what is your matter of justice? What does justice demand of us in these things? What is God's heart in the moment for these things? Justice has got to be more than your passion. Now, in church world, sometimes what we do is we exchange our passion for this righteousness type of a thing. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to be holy. The Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about righteous living. Don't get me wrong in that. But understand, matters of justice. What is God's heart in that situation now? So what does our part of justice look like when it comes to God? Well, he gives us hints through the scriptures. Isaiah 1.17 says this. Learn to do good. Live righteous. Hello. Right? Part of that's the Holy Spirit transforming your life. Part of that is your choices, how you decide to live your life. Do good. Be set apart. Be holy. We should be people that are different. People should walk around you and say, there's something different about you. And from that difference, they should ask questions. Why are you peaceful? Why are you different? Why do these things not affect you? Do good. Follow the good path. Seek justice. What does that mean for us? To seek the heart of God in every situation. Seek justice. Correct oppression. What does that mean? Don't be afraid to inject the heart of God in every situation. Start in your circle. Don't take the mindset, I just can't get involved. Don't take the mindset, well, I'll just, I'll just quietly endure. Stand for righteousness. But don't be a jerk. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to bring your Bible in and use it like a samurai sword and knock people out of the chairs. Especially when you live like a turd. Hello? But don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to, to remove yourself from situations and conversations that aren't glorifying God, it don't help you. It says, bring justice to the fatherless. What does that mean? That means um, not every family that you encounter will be like yours. Don't shy away from people that look different than you. Don't shy away from different family units. Step in, be a voice. Get involved. Speak truth. I remember a few years ago, I was, at a, I was at a sectional meeting in Wisconsin. That's when they get all the pastors together. There's a little town in Wisconsin. And we were there, and we were at this little church, and it was really like something out of like Little House on the Prairie. It was weird. It was good. They had like, you know, one of the guys was a farmer, so they slaughtered some chickens. We had like fresh fried chicken. It was ridiculous. Mashed potatoes, great. And they had these three, three little old ladies were down in the in the kitchen, the church kitchen, and they had their little bonnets and they were doing their little stuff and this, you know, Mennonite stuff, and it was great. And we got done with the meeting. It was all us guys, and there was one, one other lady that was with us who was an evangelist. She was there part of it. And I remember one of the, the, the older ladies came up. She put her hand on the young lady's shoulder. She says, okay, sweetie. She says, it's time for us to clean everything up while the pastors go and they, they do their work. Now, I knew that she was a pastor, and it was funny to me. So I sat there, and you have that awkward moment. So I, I looked at the one lady. I said, you know, I said, I said she's fine. I said, I, I can help you clean up. She goes, no, the men don't do that. You know, pastors, you're set to do this. Us ladies are going to take care of this. And I said, well, actually, Sue is also a pastor. 
She's one of us. I said, but I'll tell you what, because I know there's only three of you and you really need four. I'll take her place while they go get everything set up and then I'll just go join them later. So I started doing tables and the little old lady got mad at me. So for me being pastor and her supposed to be really nice and supporting me, she was all huffy and throwing stuff around. And I cleaned all the stuff up and I just, I joined them later. Trust me, I wasn't missing much. It wasn't a bad meeting. It wasn't that great. I didn't want to be up there anyway. And we got done and, 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 and Sue came up to me. She goes, you didn't have to do that. And I said, you're right. I said, but I needed to. It wasn't right. And, and she wasn't being malicious or being mean. She just didn't know. Beloved, you can do that. You can stand in those areas with a, with a nice spirit and inject the heart of God in those things. Do you understand what I'm talking about? All of us have had encounters in situations like that. All of us have had conversations with everybody and then we've had other people try to pull us into those other conversations. Those are opportunities for you to inject the justice of God. His heart, his heart of righteousness. Are you with me? Um, one other thing real quick too. When talking about different families, families that are different than you. Um, this is tough for us because we have a tendency to view things through our own lens. So how do you get out of your lens and how are you able to actually stand with the fatherless um, and understand where they're coming from? You have to, to make an effort to, to enter their worlds. I remember years ago, this is weird, um, I get a call from Rob and I'm working late at church. She goes, you need to get home right now. She goes, uh, we, we have an issue with the police. That never happens at our house. I'm like, oh Lord, what do you mean we have an issue with the police? So I zip home, and, and in our, our front room is Tori and two of her friends, and their heads are down. And, and Robin's like this. So I walked in, I'm like, Houston, we've had, we have a problem here. So I walked in, and Robin's like, well, um, you know what, what me, uh, you know, we're going to have to talk a little bit, because these three girls had a little bit of problem, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. I said, well, girls, why don't you guys go downstairs real quick? I said, me and Miss Robin are going to talk about what happened. So I said, what happened? She goes, well... The girls thought it would be fun. I guess they were out hanging out by the streets and some boys were putting piles of rocks in the ground and cars were riding over these piles. And one of these cars that rode over one of those piles decided to stop and call the police. And the police came and all the other girls shut up and, and we were the closest house so they walked them all to our house. I said, well, that's great. So I'm laughing and Rob's like, that's not funny. <laughs> I was like, did they shoot anybody? Was there any tasing involved? No, okay, they were okay. So I remember going downstairs. When I told the girls to go downstairs, I'll never forget this. It's pitch black. I go downstairs. And it's her and her two friends. And, and they're all acting. You know, Tori's never had this. Tori's like, like crying. One of the girls, you know, Cheyenne, is like looking off in the space. One of the girls, uh, Ty, is just kind of looking off. It's a girl, Ty. And the lights are off. I said, girl, why are the lights off? And Ty goes, well, you told us to go downstairs. But she said, you didn't say we could have light. <laughs> we don't even deserve light. You can have lights. We turn the lights on. And I, said, you know, and I gave him the dad speech. You know, girls, I said, it's, you, know, you don't want to do that. You wreck card, blah, blah, blah. And I remember Tori's like, you're right. We'll never do it again. And I remember one of the, her friends just, was just staring off into space. And then the other one, Ty, just broke my heart. Oh, it just broke. It still just messes me every time I think about it. We get done, and she goes, okay. She goes, are, are you going to, like, hit us or anything? I said, no, sweetie. I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do that. I said, come here, we're going to get a little group hug. Let's go get something to eat and go upstairs. It's going to be fine. Don't, don't view everybody through your own lens. You have no idea what other people are going through. You have no idea the hills that they've climbed, the valleys that they've walked through. 
None. So make effort to get out of your world a little bit. That's where, you know, being a voice for those that, that you know, for the fatherless, that's where that thing, that thing kicks up. And then that whole thing about, you know, the widows, pleading a case for the widows. Guys, it's our, it's our responsibility to speak for those that have no voice. If God has given you a voice for those that, that, that have no, 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 no standing, speak for them. It's our obligation. Stand in the gap and speak life for those that, that don't have any of those things. Philippians 2.4 says this, Let each of you look not only into his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Galatians 2, 6, 2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we start by doing justice. Inject the justice of God, his heart in those situations when those things arise, when they appear. And don't turn a blind eye to injustice. Don't. Don't. History is peppered with people that did that in the face of great evil. And it never turns out good ever second love kindness this is interesting that word kindness in hebrew is, is kased which actually is translated mercy do you think it's interesting that when god talks about justice he balances it with mercy for himself then when he talks about us extending justice it's also balanced with his mercy why do you think that is Sometimes, for us as people, we happen to see people and we categorize them into black and white categories. The good and the bad. The right and the wrong. It's always been amazing to me. As believers, we enter the kingdom through the door of grace. By His grace, we've been saved. And then once we get into the house, we hang up grace like a garment. We go, okay, now it's time to go to work. You understand that even your righteousness is like filthy rags. The best we have isn't enough. It's just not enough. Now, that doesn't mean that you live like the devil, but what it means is this. Don't put too much weight into your own accomplishments. That always, always is bad. Be careful of, of judging people. Void of God's mercy. See, for God, it's not just black and white. For God, it's not just a physical thing. God is not just interested in that you do the right thing. He's also interested in why you do what you do. The motive behind it. You can do the right thing for all of the wrong reasons, and that doesn't, it's not credited to your account for good. Your motive has to be pure too. Proverbs 21.2 says this, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. He weighs our hearts. So why do we operate in mercy? Why does God set that standard for us? We do it for two reasons. One, we don't see all things. As a judge, you are expected to be an expert in the law. You can't be a judge. You can't sit down as a judge, you know, for our society unless they consider you an expert of the law. Sometimes, beloved, we act as experts of the law and we're not. Be very careful. Now, are there times where we have to make decisions? Absolutely. Be very careful how you step into those arenas. So one, we don't see all things. And two, we need mercy because in every situation we need to know the heart of the Father. Lord, what's your heart in this situation? What's your heart in all this? 
The mercy of God, when it operates in the life of a believer, gives us the ability to pause and allow the Holy Spirit to inject the heart of the Father into the situations. You take a deep breath, you pause, you pray, and you allow the Holy Spirit to inject things. Sometimes we, we just make decisions too quickly. Have you ever made a rash decision before? What does mercy do? Mercy balances us. It slows us down. It does. Know this, beloved. Judgment in our lives as believers operates like a two-edged sword. The method that you use to judge others is the method that God uses to judge you. Do you know that? If you don't, let me drop a little knowledge on you. Look at Matthew 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Be careful how you judge. Be careful with your posture for others. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand what this fully means. Because for me, in my head, God's got this sheet. He's got these things, and you hit this button, this button. But this is like a sliding scale. Something's different about this. I don't understand it. If I told you I understood it all, I would be lying. And if somebody else tells you they figured this all out, tell them to write a book, and I'll probably buy it. Be careful. Mercy tempers us. It allows us to operate more like our Father. He is merciful. We need to be merciful. So here's a practical thing for you. Ready for this? If you're not sure, if you're not certain, stay quiet. If you are certain, move to the last part of the verse. Verse 3. Walk humbly with your God. In the economy of the kingdom, your posture is crucial. Your posture establishes what God is able to do in you and through you when it comes to matters of the Spirit. Pride is the enemy of the Spirit. It is. Self is the enemy of the Spirit. Pride is. When you operate from a place of pride, you limit what God can do in you and through you. You just do. When you're prideful, you operate in your own strength and your own righteousness instead of allowing God to flow through you in power in your weakness, not in your strength. Now, beloved, we need to be fully empowered believers. But know this, all of that begins with humility. It's only when you're in a place of humility that God can trust you with his power and with his justice. You have to be humble. It's only when you take the posture of a servant can you truly understand God's heart for justice and for restoration. Ben, come join me real quick. I asked Ben if he could help me with a little illustration here. Are you young enough? Look at you. Just jump right up here. Wow. Have a, have a seat. Now, Jesus modeled this, what this looks like for us. And one of the greatest, most practical examples ever in Scripture. It was through washing people's feet. Nice sneakers. Oh, thank you. Oh. When's the last time you took a shower? Oh, last night. Okay, guys, I want to know what I'm, I, I want to know what I'm looking at to right now. Oh, oh dear Lord. <laughs> Here. So, so this is, this is, uh, this is. <laughs> so this is the crazy thing. So Jesus showed us, showed us what this looks like through the washing of feet. Now, washing your feet's easy peasy lemon squeezy because you had a shower last night. Yeah. But washing the feet in Jesus' time was a little different because 
you know, they had, you know, they had sandals or like, I like to call them JC water walkers, just sandals. Yeah. And you'd walk on these dirt roads and your feet would get dirty. They'd walked with roads that had animals on it. So every once in a while you get something a little extra between your toes, if you know what I'm talking about. So it was custom for the Jewish people when they would enter a home that somebody would come, just help yourself to the water, Ben. <laughs> you get a little thirsty. That's great. It was custom for them to, to come. And, and one of the things that they would do is they would wash their guests' feet. Now, usually the lowest of the low in the household would wash the feet or even a servant. But Jesus did something crazy. He actually, when he had the Last Supper, of all the things that he could do, he chose on that morning or that evening to wash the disciples. Thanks for helping me out, Ben. I appreciate that. I got you. For washing the disciples' feet. Is it cold? Oh, we're going to find out. Oh, you okay? No, it's cold. Is that cold? Yeah. Oh. These aren't bad, Ben. I've seen worse than these. I won't tell you who they are, but one may belong to a Harris kid. I think I know. Yeah. So, he, he would, so what Jesus did, the Bible tells us, is he, he went and he, he wrapped a towel around his waist. I'm not doing that. Sorry about that. And then he washed all the disciples' feet. And then he pulled them out. You know, he got all the gunk off them, got all that stuff. Put that over there, Ben. Ben, you gotta, can you work with me, Ben? <laughs> Golly. There you go. There you go. Okay, now put your shoes back on <laughs> and get off the stage. <laughs> Everybody give it up for Ben. Get your socks too. Thank you. So he does all that stuff. And then he says this in John 13, 12. He says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, he says, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought, to watch each, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Here's the reality, beloved. If you want to be entrusted with God's power, if you want to be someone that stands, and you want to be entrusted with God's justice, let me ask you this question. Can God trust you first with people's feet? Can he trust you to humbly serve them, to help them and to be the people that God wants, help them to be the people that God created them to be? If he can't trust you with their feet, he can't trust you with his power, and he can't trust you with righteousness and justice. That's where it starts for us, beloved. And beloved, that's where we as a church, not little church, us, but the big C church, that's where we screw up sometimes. We forget the last part, to humbly walk with our God. Guys, we need to be able to flow in justice. Now more than ever, the world needs a compass. Justice is part of that compass. I want to challenge you this morning. Step back into God and pray just a really scary prayer. Say, Lord, will you shift and shape me? Move things around in me. Shine your light on things in my heart so that I can be a carrier, a portal to your power and your voice of justice for our world. And then allow the Spirit to do the work that he needs to do in you so that you could be the voice that the world needs now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads real quick. Father, would you help us this morning 
to not just understand your justice. But Father, would you give us ears to hear your heart in every situation that we have? Forgive us at times, Lord God, for doing things in our own way, in our own time. And help us, Lord, to yield our heart and our lives to you. So that, Father, you can use us to change our world. We want to be salt. We want to be light. Help us, Lord God, to, uh, to speak your truth in every situation that you bring us to. This is what I want you to do real quick before we end. I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit again and ask him that. Say, Lord, what needs to shift in me so that I can pour justice and power out, Lord, into this world for you? Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.